What up? What's happening with you, man? Man. So let's just knock it out. You guys come off a heartbreaking loss. The Steelers finally won a game. Man, I mean, you talking about heartbreaking. It, it was, was heartbreaking. It, it was heartbreaking. heartbreaking. I'm, I'm going to say it because I'm a respectful fan. The Browns are some ballers. That's all I got to say. I'm a respectful fan. The Browns are some ballers. You know, I mean, I'm going to say it too. I mean, what's Big Ben had a great game. Hey, that running back is a beast. We call him Robo Ben now. Robo Ben. Because <laughs> after every game, they got to take him in the back and take him apart and put him back together again. They were showing all his hip. They were showing all the pads on him. He had just these random pads. You know, covering up his bones that are just gonna disintegrate. Hey, hey, he just got pillows. Just put pillows around himself. Hey, he needs to go straight to a Benny Hinn tent ministry as soon as the season is over. Absolutely. Hey, man, we both had great weekends, man. Big, huge weekends, man. Congratulations. Uh, Will you tell us what's going? Come on. You are now an overseer. Overseer. Overseeing over. Seeing over. I'm seeing over. I'm seeing. I'm overseeing everybody. I'm over. Over. Oversee everybody. No, I, I celebrate you, man. I I applaud my, my brother uh, as a part of the lifted reformation of churches under the leadership of Bishop uh, Kenneth Paramore, my our brother, our friend, our mentor. Your uh, one of your spiritual fathers, uh, dynamic man of God, and so I'm proud of you, bruh, and grateful uh, for you. And you know, you're gonna be wearing all the vestments and the hats and stuff now, and. Uh, the crowns, the type of staff. You go to work with your staff. Listen, I'm hot wearing this T-shirt right now. Bruh. <laughs> you walk through the mill swinging incense while you're at the mill. How how was it down? How was it down there at um at, at Bishop's Church? Berean was fire, man. You know, uh, it was great to be back together again. You know, it's a family atmosphere for me, so it's great to be back together again uh, with the brothers and the sisters kicking it. Uh, Rudolph McKissick, who who did the uh the closing night from Jacksonville just just a monster just a beast I mean it's just this don't make no sense I mean you preach me into tears you doing you doing some preaching because I'm one of the most <laughs> cynical sarcastic preachers I just sit there you know good word bruh I really felt the blessing but this one, I was about to just fall out the chair just roll under the pews and just carry on you know so uh, it, it was awesome. I did have a complaint. I was wait, I'm waiting on the feedback complaint because we did box lunches instead of the cafeteria, and there was nowhere to sit. So I get my box lunch, and I'm up in here in a wheelchair. So I saw a wheelchair in the corner. So I sat in a wheelchair, and I just I kind of snagged it. And all of us, but we was joking because only a few of us got the box lunches, which was which was also funny because a bunch of us registered, but apparently only like 15 of us got these doggone box lunches. So we sitting in the hall hallway with this with this cold cut sandwich is very delicious but then I, I i snagged the wheelchair and then i saw like an old lady walking in like with a cane and like a walker and i'm like this this lady's about to jack me from my wheelchair i'm in here sitting in this wheelchair <laughs> but it was good it was, you good. was in a handicap zone with no handicap sticker i was in a handicap zone with uh with with, with no handicap sticker and i apologize to to Mother Berean. Well, let's get into it, man. Let's get into what we gonna hit up today, man. You, you man, let, let's just talk on. about. Let's just talk about the, uh, the, the 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 secular potentate of comedy, who is on the cancel chopping block, the right Reverend Dave Chappelle. The right Reverend. And you know his grandfather was an AME pastor, like a a, a, 
a very highly venerated AME bishop. Now that I did not know. Wow. Yes, yes. He goes way back. As a matter of fact, he mentioned it in one of his specials. So, so those of you who don't know the story yet, uh, Dave Chappelle, who I enjoy and Jeff thinks is whack, <laughs> he has been going in for the last few specials about homosexual and transgender issues. And he's been complained about the whole time. Excuse me. But now they're coming for his head. I like his response. And let's just talk from a purely business, show business response. He already got paid up front for these specials. They could take him off Netflix right now, and he already cashed his check. I loved his comment when they said, Twitter is coming from you. Twitter is trying to cancel you. And he said, I don't care. Twitter isn't a real place. Right, right, right. Well, I like what he said in the special when he said, uh, who are you? He said, I'm the guy who got off the bus and left $50 million on it to walk. Thank I, you. That was it. There it is, bro. That was me. I said, in a big part. That, that, you can't cancel a person who makes their own premise. You can't cancel somebody who don't need you. He, does, he he makes his own sitcoms, his own specials. He does every his own movie. He can do, do it all. You there you can't cancel that. So Yeah, yeah, you, you can't. And not only can you not cancel it, but it just goes to show how far this movement and this demeanor is going, the mob mentality of the internet and the he called it, he said it. I, I'm a fan, so I've been watching the previous specials. He said we have brittle spirits, and that is true. That is true from secular culture. It's true from church culture, brittle spirits. We are easily offended by everything. And then here's what I get a really revealing thing of. We are really not willing and ready to have honest conversations about anything. We, 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 we have to reaffirm the prevailing attitude of whoever has the biggest megaphone or microphone or checkbook. We have to agree with that movement or agenda. And you know what? Let's just be honest about it. This could be a whole show by itself. Black people are guilty of this, too, because we have pushed a lot of issues that weren't necessarily the most important and turned them into the most important. And so every time Walmart sells like a monkey or something, we try to turn it into, you know, a Martin Luther King march on Washington, which not to say that these things aren't offensive, but we turn it into something it's not. Then we run into a group that has more resources, a louder megaphone than us. And now they're just running roughshod over the civil rights, you know, whatever we thought was civil rights, uh, you know, concerning racism. And he's mentioning, he literally said, I'm jealous. I, I wish we could have that kind of, and, and he and he laid what the reality of it is. The difference between the, the black movement for civil rights and the gay movement for civil rights is that they have the weight of white wealth and support on their side. Point blank, Absolutely. period. And it's not to say that as somebody said ignorantly, I thought in an article, they would act like it was a think piece, but it wasn't very smart the way it was written. You act as if black people ain't gay. We know black people are gay. And we know that black gay people get a double whammy. We get that. But if it was just black gay people, they'd definitely be hit. <laughs> All if, it was, if it was just All black gay people or trans people, they'd definitely be hit. But the funny thing is, man, he said the same thing about the Me Too movement. I agree with you, but I disagree with your methods. And that's where your quote came from when you said, it, who, when they say, who are you to tell me what to do? He's like, I'm the guy who had a problem and walked away. And if you would actually just walk away instead of trying to do it the way you're doing it, you know, so I actually salute Dave Chappelle. I don't think he said anything worth canceling. And I think, by the way, and you can you can weigh in on this because I believe there is a close connection between comedy and sermonizing. Being a preacher oh, and a comedian absolutely. are not, they're, they're almost 
intertwined in a lot of ways because preachers think they're jokesters. We all think we're funny. We always got jokes to tell at the beginning and all this stuff. And comedians always end up preaching about something. And we're very intertwined. And I don't like to use this word because I know it might sound demonic to some folk, but y'all too saved. You can get off. Uh, it's like a third eye thing where you have a different level of insight with just off the top of your head. You could just sort of see things differently. And everybody else is like, ooh, and ah. But honestly, it's just the way we I mean, how many times we've been on the phone and just blow each other's minds with stuff and we don't even remember it the next day. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could have preached all the convocations. We could have preached all the convocations and revivals with some of the stuff we come up with, you know, riding around in a car getting Taco Bell. So right. what I'll say is he has insight. He actually shared rich insight about the relationship between black and transphobic and transphobic, you know, racist uh, and, 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 and LBGTQ. And they're not ready for that conversation. They're, they're not ready. I, I am, once again, I'm not a Dave Chappelle person as far as com- comedy, but I think his take on it was absolutely phenomenal. I think the, I think that he said everything that most of us want to say, but many of us are afraid to say. I think he said, you know, he, he put it out there on the table. He put his heart, it was his last one. And he said, I'm not doing any more for a while. You know, I'm, pro- I'm probably, y'all probably. Oh yeah, he's done. He doesn't have to, but he's done. the fact of the matter is when, when, when you get to a place where you have freedom to say what you want to say and you have freedom to not even worry about the recompense of what you say. And once again, like you said, for us pastors, you know, so many of us, you know, we hide behind pulpits. Because we're, we're, many of us are afraid to say what needs to be said. And we won't talk well, about Well, let's be clear. You know why? Because we don't have his freedom. Because of the kingdom mechanism and structure, we have abdicated the means right. and the manner by which we would have the freedom to say what we want and say what needs to be said. And the church, I was going to say earlier, needs to take note. And we'll wrap up. We're on our time. We want to get to our guests. The church needs to take note. Because, because preachers and comedians are intertwined, what can't be said on comedy stages we're gonna find out real soon can't be said in pool pits either come on sir i'm saying the heat's coming right i'm right. saying the heat's coming absolutely we can say and, it since, on and by the way we all online too go ahead go ahead just said we can say it on religiously incorrect yeah we can say it on religiously incorrect <laughs> but everybody has a copy of all our sermons now because we're all online right right mm-hmm. this used to just be stuff you said in storefronts right and and right. the church folk now mm-hmm. people are watching and I bet in my position, you know where I'm at with politics and stuff. I bet you, I already know. I already gotten calls. People watch my sermons. See what I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. So it, it, it is what it is. But, you know, I, I salute Dave Chappelle. Uh, and I, I say that not as a pastor. Like, I think he's the greatest thing in the world. But uh, we need to turn Pastor Jeff up. Maybe I'll just turn me down. Somebody's saying I'm too loud. Uh, I'll turn me down a little bit. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't, I, I'm not on my regular one today. I'm on my, oh, gotcha. Okay. Thank, thanks, Cleveland. We appreciate it. We don't, we don't mind a little interruption. All right, y'all let's get to our sponsors right quick. We want to thank our sponsors of religiously incorrect for being so supportive uh, of the show. Phillips care cleaning service from the Phillips care family of businesses. They are a black owned business and I am proud of them. You can call three, three, zero, two, one, nine, seven, nine, one, six, and ask for Fernando. They take care of residential and commercial cleaning, floor cleaning, carpet cleaning. They do move in, clean out. I got a project they're about to do for me. 
and they serve the entire Mahoney Valley and surrounding areas. Check them out and support our local businesses and sponsors. And while you're at it, with all the leaves in my yard, you might as well check out Phillips Care Lawn Services, again, from the Phillips Care family businesses. Lawn care starting at $30. It'll probably cost me about $3,000 to get these leaves up. But you once again, call Fernando at 330-219-7916. They've been in business for over 10 years, so they absolutely know what they're doing. And we appreciate them for being sponsors of Religiously Incorrect. So, Pastor Jeff, uh, I would like you to do the honors of not only uh, introducing our guests, but introducing our subject matter and leading the way in this conversation. I see that the views are up, so our guest, he must have did a share on his page because uh, he's definitely got the fire. He's definitely got the fire. We need to we need to take a class from this brother and, and find out what just happened. But uh, go ahead, Pastor Jeff. He already told me earlier. He says your views gonna be up tonight. <laughs> so listen, uh, we 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 are talking tonight about cyber sanctuary. We are talking to uh, talking to one of my best friends um, in the world. One of, one of the guys who literally took me from my calling to. Uh, getting me in the church, getting me, uh, getting me right in ministry. He is just a phenomenal preacher. He is uh, truly, truly phenomenal. Uh, we are talking today to Apostle Robert Jenkins. Let's bring him in. Y'all give him a cyber hand clap of praise. Show us some cyber love in the cyber sanctuary for our cyber apostle Robert Jenkins. <laughs> What's going yes, on? Sir. Yes, sir. What's happening? What's going on with hey, you? Hey, hey. Man, this is great, man. I was enjoying listening to y'all, man. You brought up some very powerful points. Uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of pull from some of the things you said. I think that was key what you said, Todd, because I think that has everything to do with the cyber church, what we're hearing. There's some freedoms that you're allowed to have that normally you wouldn't have in the pulpit. And that's mm -hmm. kind of what God let me say. That was that was great. Really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Let's, let's jump right into it, man. Uh, real succinctly, man, tell everybody who you are, uh, especially those of our followers. I know those who, those who follow you know you, but tell them who you are, what you do, uh, where you're at, and all that stuff, man. Well, uh, my name is Robert James Duvall Jenkins. I operate in the gifting of the apostle. Uh, the ministry is called Divine Insight Ministries. It's about five years old, maybe going on six years old. I started it in New Orleans, and so... Uh, we reach uh, my biggest audience is in is in Africa. We average between five to eight hundred people a day. I'm on five days out of a week. Uh, it's six a.m. Central Standard Time, seven a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So it's 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 growing tremendously. Uh, I have about maybe one hundred and fifty churches underneath me, and we started some new churches. Now we start another church in Florida, and then we started uh, we're gonna start a one in in Houston, Texas in November, then we'll be in Bahamas sometime in March or April of next year. So basically uh, what I do is I help people uh, who have a calling on their life to establish their ministry. I'm really, you know, one of the things that I look at is the fivefold ministry. And I think we're still struggling with how to bring that into the church because for so long, the pastor has run the church. And so Divine Insight is a ministry that really teaches churches and pastors how to bring that fivefold in. So I'm really like a university, even though it's online. I'm a training facility to train people how to be effective in what they're already called to do and what church they may be every part of, if they is a part of church, or maybe they have their own uh, ministry that God called them. But that's basically what I do. So we take five days out a week and we empower. So I speak about almost every subject that there is to empower people. I want to make you better where you're at. So I kind of use the principle that many times we are we are fruitful as a tree. 
but we never release the seeds off that off those apples. So the people who's on your tree, they have to almost become rotten in our churches and fall before they release what's in them. I'm trying to save that by saying you don't have to be ripped from a church. You can be released from a church to know what's in you. So I try to empower people to know what's in you. And don't be bragging on how many apples you got in a tree when you don't have no trees in your ministry. You should be branching trees now, not just fruit. And so I kind of deal with that. So that's basically what it is. It's an online ministry that reaches people all over from all ages. And so, and we do that. So I empower. So I go from city to city, people who watch me on a daily basis, they live in Detroit, they live in California. Okay, I'm gonna come to your city. I'm gonna train the leadership. And then we're gonna help you know who you are and hope that betters you in your ministry. Or even if you're already a part of a church, 80% of the people who watch me is already part of their local church. I just empower them to be better at what they call to do, to understand what is a pastor, or what is a prophet, what is a musician. So I teach on all the subjects. So whatever you're doing and wherever you're at, you'll be better at what you're doing. So that's basically what we do. I got it. So you don't consider yourself in as an online ministry. What I'm hearing is that you work in concert and collaboration and partnership with local churches, as opposed yeah. to how a lot of us think, oh, they're competing with us. Oh, they gonna take folk, you know, exactly that whole thing. So how do you, how do you yeah. deal with that dynamic? Yeah, well, that's one of the things. You know, one of the things I'm trying to change is our language because we always think when somebody's starting something that they're against us and to know, and not know how to work together. And I think our language has hurt us. We don't know how to speak unity. You know, one of the scriptures that I kind of quote every day is endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit. And what's the difference between the unity of the spirit and the unity of the faith? They both are in Ephesians 4, but they're two different. And I think we don't know that. I think by saying we're Baptist and Catholic and different things like that, that has separated us. And so we don't know how to work together. But I'm definitely, I have a global ministry, but the global ministry is the body of Christ. We just give those names like divine insight. We kind of locate what voice and what expression comes from that. But the truth of the matter is I'm just a part of the body of Christ that's trying to use biblical principles to bring us together. But it looks like competition. Anytime somebody starts something, it looks like competition. And, it, and it's sad because that only happens in the church. You know, Walmart is all over the world. McDonald's is all over the world. But the reason why they don't have any competition because they don't have different names. It still say Walmart. Well, because we have different names for churches, they make it seem like we're divided. And so, but you're absolutely right. I'm not in competition with any church. Matter of fact, one of my prayers and God gave me revelation is for people to embrace the apostolic and the prophetic, embrace all fivefold and see how it can help you. Because no church can master it all. Every church, I believe, has their own lane. It's almost like a tie to the 12 tribes. You have Levite and you have Judy. So you have churches that may, uh, they may express more of Levitical teaching. You got another church that's that expresses more of a prophetic teaching. You got another church that may expresses more of, uh, let's say, name it, claim it. There's different veins and it all depends on the leader. And I think we haven't learned how to balance people because that's all you're getting from that church. I remember when I was in Charlotte, a lot of new believers that was from the street, they were joining John P. Key's church. They loved it because his ministry was more evangelistic. So he drew those people. You can come in sweats, you can come in tennis shoes. You know what I'm saying? People had just, some people was coming with guns because they just came off the street, but they loved his ministry. But as they would grow, they would leave. And so when I talked to him, he said, you know what? I can't keep people here. It's because his ministry was drawn to people who just came out of the world. So he mm. would do songs that looked like he was carnal. You know, like I tell people, like the Kirk Franklins, we need the Kirk Franklins, but you can't go from, from the Funkadelics and go straight to Tasha Cobbs. It's just too much of an extreme. But if you mm -hmm. got a person in the middle, you know, and they're singing a stump, you make can relate to that and move you into it. And so many churches are like that. And if they don't embrace 
the fivefold ministry, then what happens is you make people prisoners at their level. You keep people stuck in the second grade. And there's nothing wrong with having second grade churches and third grade. You need those. But how do they graduate? And so I think we need to be able to include everybody that helps us grow at a different level. And so that's what I try to do to bring it that level. And so you may need that. It's almost like in the music, in the musicians, they have a, a music union. And whatever you need at whatever caliber of musicians, you can get it in the union. If I need somebody to know how to read, they at this scale. Well, in the church, we don't have that. So if I got a church and I don't really know much about praise and worship, that's not really my strong forte. How can I teach people to learn about praise and worship without losing them, without them ripping? And so that's when I come in and say we can train that and bring that right back to your church. And now your church can expand its expressions because you've been trained. It's no different than going to Yale and learning different things so you can be better in the workforce. That's what I consider myself, almost like a university. And we train everybody to go back into the marketplace or go back into the church or even understand the marketplace. Because a lot of times musicians are suffering because am I supposed to be in a church for the rest of my life? If I'm a Billy Beck, if I'm a Michael Jackson, am I limited to the church? Right. So a lot of times they don't have that type of teaching that explains that, why you feel the way you feel. And so we're losing a lot of people because we're not educated enough to how to deal with the body of Christ and what does it look like, you know? And so all those different facets. And so and so that's basically what I do. And I and I come from, you know, you know, I come from my grandfather, the Church of God in Christ, Elder J.B. Drinkers. I love him, but he was narrow minded in a lot of things. And so we lost their people. Right. I got cousins right now. They're mad at the church because they were great athletes. But because they were taught love, not the world, either the things that were in it, they gave up their ability to play sports. And now they're struggling financially because they didn't understand that part. You know, and yeah. some of them died thinking they were going to hell because they wore pants. So there's a lot of things that we didn't get educated on that I'm able to do cyberly and reach people and to explain that. And I don't have nobody controlling me or owning me to say what I can't say, almost like what you were saying about David Chappelle. I can say that. I can tell jokes. I can do a lot of things. I have some freedoms that we may not have in the pulpit because we still got some mental structures in our mind. We have expectations. Like if you say certain things, people say, man, that, that we had no church today. Well, why didn't we have church? Because how we define church. So it kind of helps us to rebuild the structure and then go back and do what we call you. Make the church look like what it should look like because we have limit what the church should look like. And so we're losing a lot of great people because of it. And some mm. people don't, some people have been so wounded by the church that unless they can hear truth that doesn't have the religious trimming to it, they don't even want to hear it. And that's another thing that I'm able to have. I'm able to, Really, divine insight is a result of what the church failed to do, where the church failed to express, what they failed to, to create other lanes. It really made an opportunity for me because mm -hmm. there's people who don't want anything to do with church, but they have everything to do with God. They don't want any of the religious trimming. And that's usually what happened with people who are what we call church hurt. They still want God, but they don't want any of the religious trimming. And so kind of on, online kind of gives them more of what they was able to get from the church, but less of the religious trimming. And they love that part. That's really what been, I think my success is I don't have to have the religious trimming. Because people say, I'm, I don't want the mess in church. You know what I'm saying? I want God, I want worship, but I don't want the mess in church. You know, so I'm able to give that. Let me ask you this, man. You come on five days a week, uh, at right. least. Right. You're, you're on an hour, uh, at least an hour. At least right. an hour every morning. People five right. between five and eight hundred people get up to watch you every morning at seven right. o'clock, six o'clock your time, correct? Right. Mm -hmm. Six o'clock your time. That's early. Um, right. Um how what about what do you say about accountability? Because I know, you know, 
even though they watch you, how, and I know you're supposed to be accountable to God. Trust me, I know that. <laughs> I, right. I know that. But what about accountability? How, how do people uh, become accountable? What, what, what about that? Well, to be honest with you, there is no accountability on the way where you have accountability. And that's one of the things I tell people. We didn't have accountability when they came to church. We just had a conversation that made us feel like they gave us the right answers. We accept that. The only accountability that I have is teaching people to honor God and respect the gift that's in you. And you have to hold yourself accountable. I can't make you accountable. I can't be a babysitter. I can't. I can't like make you live right. I don't know. Like when you left the church, I don't know if you got a beer in the car. I don't know if you got cigarettes in the car. I don't know if you treat your wife right. I don't have, I don't know it online, but I can teach you the truth about it and hoping that it takes root. Now, one of the ways that I'm able to see a level of comfortability is your faithfulness and commitment to what God has called you. If I see evidence of that, then I can do that. But, but again, I struggle with that too, Pastor Jeff, because um, I remember doing everything I wanted to do behind the scene and made myself look accountable. And I remember playing that accountability role. Like I, I, I showed up, I said the right things to you, and I was living a terrible life. Wow, yeah. I was a preacher. Yeah. So I know real accountability has to come from you holding yourself accountable to what God has said. It's not me, you know, acting like, you know, you got some accountability to me and I'm going to check on you. And because you're saying the right thing, most of the people who have messed up, I didn't even know it until months, years, even though they were doing what they know to tell me they was accountable unless I discerned it or picked it up. That's it. It's the same thing. Like right now, I don't know how many people is watching us, but I don't really know if they're watching us. I just know that the number said that I really yeah. don't know. They could be walking around. Right. They could be doing anything. Can I piggyback from that? Um, yeah. Because I, I agree full heartedly. All of us that have been raised in the church, I'm a PK myself. I preach frequently about, you know, being in the church, but not truly being saved and not truly belonging to God and have an understanding and a discernment of the spirit and 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 the danger of it. I, I, I preach in a way that I'm sure bothers some people because I know without a shadow of a doubt, I have lifelong members that don't know Jesus because somebody told them, put your name on the roll, shake the preacher's right. hand, let the church say amen. Right. But with that accountability side, now you talk about having trees and bearing trees and, and having churches under you. So if there right. is abhorrent behavior accounted to the persons under you and you right. do find out or you are made aware, if somebody's spouse calls you and right. says, pastor so-and-so who's under you has been beating me every night right. or you find out that somebody has molested a child or, or there's right. money missing from the church. Does anything exist there? Or is it still just saying, I know what I'm saying. I know what I'm getting on here teaching. You still have to do it. So if they respect you as their leader, even though it's a cyber situation, you're not, it ain't the old school sitting down and silencing them on the front pew and all that stuff. We, we, know, we know all that stuff. We know all that, right? Uh, and it was always the pregnant teenager, never the dude that got her pregnant. But anyway, that's a whole other story. It was always a pregnant girl, never the dude that got her pregnant. Uh, but anyway, so I'm saying, so when you are made aware, does accountability exist? Do you approach? Do you, do you ask for a covenant relationship that has certain stipulations and standards? Does that exist? Yes. And that's I'm glad you asked the question. That's the main thing I push to me. Um, accountability and covenant cannot come without relation. I okay. am a relational apostle through the relationship. And I teach the number. I believe the number one sowing principle in the Bible is honor. I believe where there is no honor, then everything else is thrown away. I base that on Malachi chapter three. We always deal with tithes and offering. But Malachi chapter one said, where's my honor? 
Then it says, where's my love? And when you have honor, honor thy father. I teach the relationship of the honor. And the reason why the honor is so important is you can be transparent with me. That's why I try to be very transparent when I teach. So that when you're going through something and you end up doing something that, bring, that dims the light of the ministry, that dims the light of integrity, then you can tell me, we can share that. If God don't let me discern it, then we will take the right approach to reconciliation, to be able to teach you spiritual warfare, how to overcome that, not just for the embarrassment of the church. I hate it, and you kind of mentioned it. I hated the form of um, accountability. Basically, you're embarrassed because it embarrassed your church, not because of what the person was going through, not their struggle, not what the demons is fighting them about or the mentality that they have, but more because now the church looked bad or your reputation looked bad. So I believe through being relational, spending time with people, that level of honor will come in. And then we would say, you will say, if you got it right, you know what? I don't want to cause the integrity of this ministry to be dim. I don't want people to second guess what Christianity is saying. And then you willingly together would say, I need to sit down. Uh, I need to stop. I need reconciliation. I need training. We need counseling, things like that. That's why we have counseling. We have marriage ministries. We have men's ministry where we can expose those things. So there is a level of accountability because you cannot, on that end, you cannot do things where it dims the light. But I want to make sure that it's right because a lot of times it's not the person that we have a problem with. It's the offense. It's that what you did offend me versus loving them. And I think that's a problem when we are offended by people that we don't love. You never care. That's one reason why the gay community is not dealing with us because you never love me. You just you just don't like switching. So switching bother you. See, talking like a female bothering you, not you loving me. See, and so that's very important. So in that level of accountability, you're absolutely right. I don't want you to do anything that's going to damage. First of all, that you have uh, you have a lack of power over. I don't have, I don't want anybody to be a part of this ministry and there's some demonic activity or some mindsets that you are suppressed under because you don't know how to be free from it. You don't know how to cast down that thought. And so if they have you in captivity, I want you to know I love you enough that you're living beneath your privilege. That's first. Not offending the ministry is not first. But but because you're not walking in your destiny and who you called to be, you have greater power and authority. Let's get you free from that. And my accountability is coming out of my love for who you called to be not coming out of the offense of the embarrassment that come on the ministry. But you're absolutely right. On that level, there is a, a level of accountability. And I train okay. leaders and I talk to them about that. So it's not like you can free and do what you want to do. And sometimes it looks like that on online ministries. Like they can live any kind of way and there's no level of accountability to how they live it. But to me, that's not really real love or real preaching. You know, it's, it's always about the soul. It's always about the soul. But I think many times the problem is that you're not relational with people you want to correct. We're not relational. Yeah. We want to correct. And to me, if you don't love them, you can't lead them. If you don't love them, you can't lead them. I love it. I, I love it. I, I think that. Go ahead, Pastor Jeff. I was just gonna say, you know, when you when you and I first met, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, I remember asking you. I remember telling you, you know, I, I feel like I'm called to be an evangelist. And I remember you. I, I specifically remember, and it's probably one of the most phenomenal days of my life. You said, "Well, what is an evangelist? How many evangelists are in the Bible?" Who are the evangelists of the Bible? And I had no clue. I was called to be something that I had no idea about. You're going city to city, right? You know, uh, building churches up. How do you how do you find leaders and and, and instruct leaders and, and build leaders? I, I I mean, I see what you're doing because the result, the fruit is there. My question is, how are you doing it? How 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 is this how is this manifesting itself? Well, again, that comes through relationship, man. I think if you spend time with anybody who they are 
through the Holy Ghost, you'll see it and you'll understand your role. It's, it's almost like uh, Todd, he's a musician. I have never played with him. But if he get on the organ right now, I got on the drums, I'll be able to locate him. My gift will locate him and there'll be a connection and that I'll kind of know how he flow and he'll know how I flow. And we'll know how to make that song just because the gift itself will be able to identify. I think when we spend time with people, I'll identify who you are. At least my, my part in your life. And I'll begin to add to that. I'll begin to know how to stir that up. And I believe one of the greatest ways for me to help people is questions. I begin to ask questions. One of the, one of the major things that I do is who do you think you are? What do you think you call? Why do you think you're here? Why do you think for us to be together? Why do you think he was online? I'm going to ask questions. You know what I'm saying? Why do you feel the way you feel? It's almost like God said, Adam, where are you? You know, I was naked. Who told you you were naked? Never a question about nakedness, but where'd you get it from? It is those questions that build. I have a love for people, always have. Uh, my pain, when I grew up, I had very low uh, insecurities. I never thought I was love. And uh, that was all a lie, but I, ne I never thought I was love. And so in that, I always wanted to be love. But what I found out was I couldn't stop loving people that mistreat me. I couldn't cut it off. I couldn't figure out why do I still, am I a fool? Am I dumb? Why am I still loving you? And you don't even treat me right. And I found out that that was my calling is to love people. And I found out that nothing locates you better than love. And so now I just have a natural love for people. When I meet people, I have a natural love and I'm able to locate their gift. Uh, not even, you know, because I was suicidal for about 30 years of my life. But my pain taught me to find people like I tasted when I went through a trial, I tasted everything. I'm like a cook that can they tell you what's in it. So if you talk to me, I, I don't need but a couple minutes. I can locate you and tell you where you are. You can be 0.00001% off and God will show it to me and why I'm in your life. It's that love. And so that's how I'm able to develop people. And I found out people are longing. You know, people are looking to be loved. They're really looking for somebody to pour into their life. They want to be stirred up. It's like the spirit is longing. Do you see me? Do you see me? It's almost like I believe Leah had the keys to love when she was saying, even though she was using Jacob in the wrong aspect, but she was saying, do you see me? Let me name this child this name. Do you do you hear me? Let me name this child Simeon. Do you Are you attached to me? Let me name this child uh, Levi. And she kept naming babies after what she believed needs to be in her life. And I believe the love language to build anybody is do you see them? Do you hear them? Can you attach to them? Then you can give them praise and honor. But you can never love what you never saw. And I have the ability to see people. I think traditionally, and I'll, I'll be honest, I, I find myself in this camp, not adversarial to other models, your model, other models. But uh, I, I find I, I am in the traditional, as we've always known church to be camp. And I think that there's a little consternation. Maybe I, maybe better word is fear from some people that what we've been taught is that these relationships are built person to person, in person, you know, praying together, worshiping together, fellowshipping together. And I think that that's been wrapped up by making religion a four letter word, because that's what it really is. Religious practice, you know, this what I would call spiritual disciplinary practice, you know, mm -hmm. because religious has become become a bad word it's it's a if you say anything that has to do with any sort of routine or discipline then you are trapped in religion and you are trapped in routine and rituals and da, 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 da. and after a while i know from the deep love that is sincere you do start to feel for lack of a better word picked on like people are using you as a platform to say to show and say why they're better than what i'm laboring in or what some pastor is laboring who is not 
grifting the people who is not trying to sleep with the women. Right. And and we know all that's around us. Just like next to you, there might be guys taking advantage of people on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that, just like in our world, in the in-person world, the Baptist, the Kojic, whatever. And mm-hmm. we're like, well, it feels like we're just being used as a step stool for people to point down at us. Mm-hmm. And you not, might not intentionally be doing it, but people will agree. Yeah, I want church without the mess. Like there's no mess on the internet. And I'm not dogging anybody who comments or right. agrees with you. Right. And and I'm sometimes we see it from our vantage point as it's still just church in a different form. Sooner or later, you're getting a message. There's covering, there's accountability. There's going to be an offering and some kind of giving some kind of way. Might not be a 30 minute speech and playing blessed for 20 minutes while we march around the sanctuary. <laughs> right. <laughs> it might not be that. But so honestly, I can feel that sting a little bit. And I'm being honest and transparent as yeah. serving in a community where we love on our community, where we love people, where we're you, you can keep saying that. And I'm not saying you, but you can yeah. people can keep saying that when they walk in, they feel judged and yeah. they can keep saying that the people wear big yeah. hats and, and look down on people. But we're not doing any of that. Right. And, 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 and it doesn't matter, it seems like to this right. new group, to these masses that have accepted a different form. It doesn't matter. They've got an image. They have a feel. And that's it. Right. And 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 I'll be honest, it, it can be bothersome because right. I feel like what you said, we all do come in different flavors. Right. Because honestly, the, if, if there are people that live in Warren that watch you every single day, let's right. just say. When their mama gets sick and in the hospital, they're not calling you to fly to Warren. Right. They're calling me right. and Jeff. Exactly. When somebody dies. And so right. I feel like sometimes there's no balance of respect there right. that there yeah. is a role for the local physical church. Now, if we want to wipe all of that away. If we really want to, and I say it, be honest, I could do it because I'm technologically savvy. I I would love to to try new models, but are we really prepared to wipe it all away Mm -hmm. and say, sell the buildings, just do this, just be apostolic? And how do we meld the fact that we still have cultural and personal expectation and ties to what we call church, no matter how much it seems to be despised and looked down upon? You know what I mean? Because it's looked down upon, but they don't stop needing us, though. Right. They, they, they They don't. And I'm not saying that bitterly. I'm not saying that out of anger or anything like that. I'm just saying that out of perspective. How do you wrestle with that? And how do you deal with guys who might feel the way I feel like I respect you, but I feel like it's creating, and this is where we kind of religiously incorrect. It could be creating a breach where people chase you because what you just said about accountability. I will say that you probably out of love and relationship, I need you to be a light and a witness and no, I can't have you pissy drunk at the bar and come sing on Sunday morning. Right. And they might say, Apostle, don't say that to me. And he gives, he drops me a deep word every, 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 every morning at 7 a.m. He don't tell me how I got to do. You know what I mean? He's not holding me to nothing. How do you wrestle with that tradition versus cyber? And I said all that to just ask you that question. Yeah, how do you yeah. wrestle with that? Well, I think, I think we got to be able to embrace the truth, which you just said is the truth. Uh, there are a lot of people who are doing what I'm doing, but you're using it for the wrong reason. And so we got to be honest with that. What is your intent? See, and I think we have to be honest with that. What did you say that was wrong? Absolutely. If I have an online church or online ministry and I don't have a praise team, I don't have to worry about nobody getting in the choir stand drunk because I don't have no one singing. So can that automatically allow people to get a word and never change their life when it comes to that? Absolutely. So that's a truth. So we have to be able to see. That's what I look at. Can you handle truth? And right. then I think we need to deal with that. The second part about it is, I think, like we're doing now, we need me and you come together and talk about that and share that openly. What can be the pitfalls of the church and what can be the pitfalls of an online ministry? And how do we how do we 
you know, gap that together, how we work. And I think we need to see us work together. Then I'm not afraid of a pastor who has a church because I'm saying be free. You're not afraid to say Apostle Jenkins can be free because I have a church. We're saying this. There are people who will never come to the church again because they're not mature. But when they run into Apostle Jenkins, he's going to teach them how to be healed, to go back. Always use the example when Peter stepped out of the boat. Sometimes the boat is representation of a church. But when he walked towards Jesus, Jesus walked him back. They didn't keep walking the other way. So sometimes God will bring you out of something and walk you right back to it after you had a revelation. If you run into me, I'm going to teach you how to honor pastors. I'm going to teach you the purpose of the building because everybody's not going to be free from it. See what I'm saying? And so when they hear that kind of message, then maybe they won't confuse me with the other people online who you just trying to build your own thing, your own agenda through the freedom of online. And I think right. if they hear more of that, it's the same thing. If we hear more of good fathers who do take care of their kids, we won't think every father is forsaking the kids. If we do hear, you know, pastors who are not cheating around, then maybe we can change the narrative. But we have allowed the church to become bad news and fake news. We keep advertising the thing that's killing us and not advertising healthy pastors as well as healthy online ministry. Because me, right. really, me and you is working together. We right. really want people to be whole in God, period. And if yes. you hold, you're not going to have a problem with going to church. You're not going to have a problem that if church is, is closed, you're looking for God in your whole entire life. So what I think we need to hear that, but we can't uh, skip past the elephant. There's a lot of people that's doing what I'm doing, but they're not doing what I'm doing. And it looked the same. Right. See what I'm saying? And there's just as much mess on the online ministry that it is in the church. If you're trying to run away from church and not deal with mess and you run into divine insight ministries, you just ain't close enough to know where it is. It's there. You're just not close enough. Right. 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 I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate you saying that because. We get that. Let's say you come from the storefront and somebody leave. You know what it's like growing up in a small church, church oh, God yeah. of Christ. Then you watch somebody go to the mega church right. and they're like, oh, ain't none of this mess. I'm like, nah, it was only seven of y'all in the church together. Of course, you knew everybody's mess. And, you know, you can't even get close to the pastor to find out if he is. You know what I mean? So exactly. and it's not to tear down the big church, right. but you ain't got an inner sanctum, you know, <laughs> of that 7,000 member church. They, right. you, you ain't got past the smiling greeters giving you cough drops and stuff and, and, and coffee in the, in the lobby right. to know that somebody's fighting in the back over a million dollars while you left right. the church that was fighting over $10. Right. You know, and, and sometimes right, it could right, be right. bigger problems on bigger platforms. Right. Go ahead, Pastor Jeff. Now, you, you uh, pastored for a while. You pastored for a while. Right. You've done a phenomenal job. Um, you know, I, I can recall you and I leaving Union. <laughs> we leave right. Union and go over to Divine Assemblies. And, right. you know, we left the church that had 500 people. We get over there and there might have been 10, 12, 20 cars. And now you right. have 800 people uh, listening to you a day. Would you ever consider going back into a church? Is that something that ever crossed your mind? Is that something that you think uh, or you think that's just done? That's that's done with Oh, no. I mean, if God want me to do that, my only problem is, and this is what I learned when I was pastoring, and um, and, and I'm, I'm loving what I'm about to say because I know it's going to spark something with Pastor Todd. Uh, and I, I, I want to say, Pastor Todd, man, I love your intelligence. I love your wisdom in God and, and, and the anointing on you, man. I just, I really appreciate it. Oh, yes, that. sir. Yeah. But uh, I would say this. When I was pastoring the church, one of the things that... Um, that I learned in the, one of it came through offense and one of it came through revelation. I remember a bishop, I won't call his name out because he's from one Ohio and I don't want to uh, kind of like scare his name, but he said, well, that cuts it down. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say one Ohio. <laughs> Stop. 
Pastor Todd. Okay, what's the street? What's the bishop say? There's a lot of bishops in war. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Okay, so watch this. But he made a comment. It wasn't to me, but it was to one of the one of the people that was coming to the church. And he says, uh, he's not, he's not a he's not a pastor. He's not a pastor. And when he said that, I was like, why would he say that? Then he said he's not an apostle. He said uh, he was evangelist, right? And so I struggled with that. I respected him. And I said, why would he say, what did, what did he see? He'd never been to my church. He, he really don't know much about me. What did he see that made him think I wasn't an apostle and I wasn't a pastor? Now, I know in Church of God in Christ, they struggle with uh, apostolic, even in that word, apostle. That's, that's a struggle for a lot of people. Okay. And then a lot of times, you know, uh, in my understanding, I would say they don't have a lot of understanding of how I understand the apostolic movement. Okay, most of the time the apostolic movement when I raised up was Jesus only. So right. that's the only apostle, right? So that kind of stuff. But it shook something up in me. But when it offended me, God made me research it, like really look at it. And so then I started looking at it. My church, and you said, Pastor Jeff, you know, I, I was with, you know, uh, Pastor Mason, I mean, um, over Union. I was with him. Then I would leave and do my church at 2.30, right? But I would do worship from 2.30 to 3.30, sometimes 4.00. So here I got an hour and a half worship, which is not normal for normal churches, an hour and a half. I would do that whether it was one person in the church, and sometimes it was one person in the church. I had a full band. I'm a musician, so I'm able to attract musicians. So I had Paul Cathy on bass. I had Garrison on drums. I had Eric Howard on keyboard. I had Jamie singing for me, Brandy singing for me. So I had top-notch singers in that, right? But we're doing worship for an hour and a half. I'm the leading worship, not my singers. I'm writing songs every Sunday. We ain't doing nobody's songs. Eric, play. Find God. I'm going to create on the spot. That's what hour and a half worship, right? Sometimes two hours. Then I would preach the way I preach. Nugget after nugget after nugget after nugget. Not bragging, but I just know who I am in God. If, you, if you're sitting under my ministry, it's like trying to eat cheesecake. It's too rich. So by the time I'm on point seven, you're still chewing on point one because it's so rich. I'm feeding out cheesecake ministry, right? I did that for two hours. One of the things that I learned is that you're too big for a congregation in the way that you minister. You are a global. It needs to be larger. It needs to be consistently. I was choking the people. They were literally leaving like this. Too much of worship. The people that I was, they weren't ready for. One of the things that the online did, it opened me up to people. Let's say like, a, like you or Pastor Todd that's coming. Who feeds us? I realized that I was called to feed my kind. You know, okay. so I'm not really made for the babies. See, in church, and to be honest with you, we still struggling with the in church. In church, it's kind of hard to go at that level consistently. Very few people are at that level to sit under that. And most people who do, they got their own ministries. They gone already. See what I'm saying? And so that's when I start realizing that the building, I can't let it limit me. Now, if God sends me to a building, but I would have to, and this is what I'm learning now, I would have to incorporate other preachers, other teachers. I would have to do what I'm teaching other churches to do because I'm really too rich for just one set of audience. And I remember God telling me, you're not just made for the congregation. You're made for the nation. You're made for the nation. So so the building, what I do it, absolutely. But I wouldn't do it the way I was raised. I wouldn't be the only speaker, which I should never have been the only speaker anyway. But because the way we do church, 
the pastor do most of the preaching. Most of the time, uh, a minister coming up, he only can preach on the last same, last seven saints of Christ. And that's his greatest moment of his life. He brings his whole family. <laughs> right, 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 right. Real talk, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or, or, or he better be done in 15 minutes or he might not preach again. He'll be silenced without being told. You know what I'm saying? And so I realized the richness. And then I realized it's almost like uh, you wouldn't put Bishop Tudor Bismarck in a first grade class of preachers. It just wasn't. It's going to look like you're using too many big words. And so what happens is you start to look like something wrong with you. You need to break your word down. You're too revelatory. You, you're too deep. No, I'm in the wrong class. I'm in the wrong class. I'm a preacher's preacher. And so I realized that. And so the online kind of helped me with that because I was choking the people. You know what I'm saying? I was choking the people with that type of, and even to this day, the average, if you've been raised in church, I don't know if you can take two hours of worship. I don't know if you could take it. I don't know. You 15 minutes. I mean, even like when I used to tell Jamie, you know, powerful worship leader, but I should say is most churches don't know how to introduce a psalmist. You're a psalmist. I can't tell you to sing an A and B. You're not going to do it, Jamie. You're turning your back to the audience. You ran way up in the pulpit. You're all on the floor crying and you're still singing the song. You ain't got past the first verse. Where do you fit in that? And that's when it goes to if Michael Jackson was alive and joined our churches, we're going to put him in the mail course. Is it really? It really I want him in the mail course. I want him to he he. With the, with the, uh, the You're going to get kicked out. The <laughs> in the red ties. I want him to, I want him to he he to all my way home. So that's what I'm saying. If you got a prince, you got somebody at that caliber, you know what I'm saying? But, but, but here's the move. I mean, here's the move. And I guess a lot of people would say, and I don't, I, I, I can honestly say I've broken out of this. One thing that I am blessed to do, I came from a non-denominational church, which was right. young and fresh and me and Jeff right. Rock with it together to one of the oldest, most traditional chorus chorale singing. And I'm able to sit or stand flat footed and talk about the various expressions of the kingdom with a respect and a reverence that they've never heard before. They, wow. They've never heard somebody, whether I fully operate in that church, or like you said, in particular gifts that might not be the strength of our church, they never hear me denigrate the other yeah. gifts of the church. And, and so obviously at Second Baptist, that was not always the tenor and the tone of how other expressions would be, you know, you know, spoken about. Somebody said, well, do you believe in fivefold? I would say, well, here's my balanced response to how I feel that fits in. And I usually make it personal. Here's where I'm at. Here's what the Bible says. Here where I, here's where I think our church fits into this mold. Okay. But by the same token, a lot of people would hear what you just said. A lot of people would hear what you just said about two hours of worship and Jamie don't know how to sing a song, just an A and B like we know, you know, to just, they would say, y'all just want to do what y'all want to do and don't want no structure and don't want to have no kind of, uh, <laughs> You know, y'all, y'all just want to, y'all just want to be renegades and you don't want no, you know, that, that, and, and, and at some point, what are you calling people to? I know we're calling people to, to God. I, I don't disagree with that, but are we robbing people of not knowing how to operate around other people who aren't like them? Well, I think a lot I, of might, I might really just need that a selection and you really will ruin this funeral and have us paying $5,000 more if you roll over for two hours while I need to do the at Mother Bertha's funeral. You know what I mean? So I'm just kind of like, I, I do kind of need you to have some order. Like I do need you to know how to function. So where and does I that agree with that. I agree with that. I think we need to be able to distinguish when is that, when is it called for that and teach that. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Sometimes people, the danger with freedom, freedom is for the mature. 
If you ever well, give there it is, there it is. Can I stop you right there? Because right, right. I feel too many immature people latch right. on to some of those nuggets, some of those exactly. bites of cheesecake. Right. And right. I'll be honest, they run back home to progressive and second, right? And beat us over the head with that one nugget right. out of the context of all the balance <laughs> and all of the and they're right. telling us why we drive. And I'm like, Yeah, I bet you if you went back, and I've actually said this to people. I bet you if you went back to prophet so-and-so, I bet you if you went back to evangelist or apostle so-and-so, and you had a deeper, longer conversation about that thing they hit on, maybe they talked about the danger of traditionalism. Maybe they talked about the danger of ritualism. But I bet you, you would find in many of them a reverence and a respect and a more balanced perspective if they have more time to unpack it all. But you took that five-minute nugget on your way to work. You decided that this is all that's wrong with where you worship and why you ain't moving forward in life. Forget about you don't pray. Forget about you're not disciplined. Forget about you letting everybody slide through your house every night. That's that's not what's wrong with you. The preacher wasn't deep enough with you on Sunday. You know what I mean? And so sometimes I feel like what you just said, freedom is for the mature. Right. And I feel that, honestly, as wonderful as online ministry is, the online world is a cesspool of immaturity. Right. No matter how mature you are right. and no matter what level right. you're at, right. the fact of the matter is we will doggone cuss each other out over what color this dress is on Facebook. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. We, we, we'll, we'll kill each other over dumb stuff. But these are also the same people who are hearing and responding and, and then championing what we're saying online. The right. same petty crowd right. that will become the blows over Browns and Steelers in the comment section. Of a, of a Facebook post <laughs> are also the same people right. who are saying amen to us online, which is no different than a pew. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's no different. So right. that's why I, I, I almost feel like the structure of the church that we know it traditionally almost saves us from ourselves. Some people, not all people, but yeah. people who, as you said, are not there yet right. and need to be expected right. to do something and be something. And right. so I, I love the dialogue and, and, and I, I don't want to take over, give Jeff space uh, no, to, to plug that's in. Good. That's good. Well, I was going to say, let me respond to that because I mean, I agree yeah, with you. Ahead, 100, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. You know, and I think you know, um, I think that's why the Old Testament says that the Old Testament is a is a, a, a schoolmaster. The law is a schoolmaster, and I think it's a danger when you jump into grace and never went past the schoolmaster. Like, there's a danger in saying you are a apostle and you never was a disciple. Without without right. doubt. And so that's what I teach. I teach those. So a lot of people who think they're running away and think they're going to use the excuse, they'll run into my teaching and say, oh, he's not as free as I thought he was because he still have accountability. You see what I'm saying? And it's good because if we would all understand where we stand, they didn't get away when they left you. They really got into trouble when they came in. It's if we understand that, because I'm going to send you right back to the same principles that Pastor Todd is trying to teach you, the same exact principle. Because if you don't have discipline, then it doesn't matter if you call yourself a psalmist. See what I'm saying? Because that's really yeah. your ego just wanting to, because most people want their gift to be free to do what they want to do. You want right. to be free. You know, God told Moses, go set my people free so that they may serve me. You're not free to be free. You're free to be able to serve God. Really, wow. online ministry should make you more committed to God and what he called you to be. Because that's the whole purpose. But I, I got that from raising dogs. They say, you know, if you get a dog, you're supposed to chain it up when it's young. Huh. Because you're teaching it how to hear your voice and you're feeding it and you're loving it. So when they get older, you can take the chain off and he won't move. But if you set him free when you first get him, he's going to run and never come back. 
because he never right. got mature, never got tired of your voice. So there's a need for discipline to teach you the voice of God. Without the law, you won't have any discipline. Half of the people who's on online, they don't have any discipline, even contextually with the Bible, because they've never been to Sunday school. They have no Sunday school lessons. So because they didn't get that structure, they don't know certain things. Mm -hmm. So they, like you said, they could take that cheesecake moment. And I'll tell you, my biggest mistake as a pastor was me feeding people who was not ready for the revelation I gave them. Because they wow. use that very revelation against the church. Wow. Now they'll tell wow. people like you, I don't have to pay tithes. I am the church. This is a new language. Don't tell me to go to church. I am. A See, they'll use all the things they've learned with no discipline. <laughs> it's no different than not to pick on the other cat camps, but it's no different than the Hebrew Israelites who want to talk about all the things in the Bible in 400 years, but you still got three or four wives, or you still smoking weed. Still right, right, weed. right, right. It's no different. It's no different than the Baptist was a freedom for Koji. Koji, we couldn't do nothing, but I'm going to be Baptist so I can still go to church and still smoke. Yeah, sure, that's right. <laughs> ministry is the new Baptist church. You know what I'm saying? Real talk. So I, I understand that. But I if we can sit down as leaders and say, okay, Apostle Jenkins, what are you doing? Let me hear. I know you biblically sound. Why are you approaching that way when you feel God call you and we stay together? That way they can't pin me against you or you against me. Can't pin, well, I'm free. My church is online. Okay, but who are you accountable to? That That's a good question. Are you accountable to? You see what I'm saying? Who are you accountable? And why is accountability necessary? You see what I'm saying? And those type of things, because a lot of things that we did in the church, we never explained why we did them. See what I'm saying? Right. So I was yeah. to, to never miss a Sunday, but I didn't know why I, I should not miss a Sunday. <laughs> it didn't. I didn't know why I was. I didn't even learn anything. Many people was in church for all their life and never learned anything. So even though you was accountable, there was never no fruit in your life. You know what I'm saying? So all those things. So this is not a way out. Now I have to say, to be honest, the online ministry have allowed a lot of people to be free. It's a great escape route. Yes, it is. And I think it's because we don't have enough of these meetings to see what's really going on. Pastors need to stop criticizing it and say, let me talk to him and find out what's going on. And let me share my heart. If he really feel God, let me share what the difficulty is with that. And let me see. And so you can help me not create something that, that causes a problem with the body of Christ. Absolutely. I don't want to do that. And vice versa. Let me say to you, this is what some problems may have. If they're wounded by the church, if they got molested by the pastor, let me tell you why they'll come to me and won't come to you. And let me show you, I'm still dealing with the same issues you're dealing with. Correct. I'm still dealing with it, you know? Correct. And we're yeah. coming along in a generation, and Pastor Jeff is in the same boat, two legacy churches. We have to literally preach on stuff that is their lives. I've had to get up yeah. and apologize for, for touchy deacons 40 years ago. Because it was never addressed. And I know that there's hurt. I know that there are ties that will never be broken. But there are, as you said, people who are separated and disconnected from the body because of what they've seen, heard or experienced. Right. And now I have to get up and say, let's wrestle with what was accepted and turned away. Let's have a Me Too movement among ourselves before somebody else have one with us. Let's address, even without reburying somebody who's dead and gone, right. let's address that wrongs have been committed. People turned a blind eye. The money was flowing. The church was flourishing. So nobody wanted to mess up the boat and rock the boat. But let's talk about it now. Right. Let, let, let me get up and say the church needs to repent. Right. Even if we never see those people again, even if they never come back to these doors, let's extend our, our, our hearts of repentance to those who have been turned from God because of our actions. And, and I love what you said about acknowledging that no matter what the style and the flavor of church, 
we're going to deal with issues that we have to communicate about. Right. And, that, and that's the whole thing. And I thank you for your honesty, too, man, and in, um, in dealing with that, because I want pastors to embrace me. I don't want to listen. You already people have jealousy if you just happen to know something like you are a very intelligent young man. How much did you get hated just because you know something just because you didn't you know, you're not ignorant. So that's that's already attack. And then, if, all right, all especially now, if you are intelligent and then you don't have a church, you know, it's like it's like when you grow up as a minister. If you didn't have a church, they didn't want you to preach. If you had a church, they didn't want right. you to preach because you're gonna take their members. They're gonna take their members, right? Right. <laughs> like, come on, man. You know, Absolutely. if you're a single man, you can't preach because you want the ladies. Because you want the women. That's it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I think you just need to get together and have a talk and say, okay, I noticed something that are not working from the church. For those, I always say this. Does it matter how many members you have or how many you lost? Hmm. This is what I asked Pastor. Hmm. Hmm. What matters the most? Because it looked like that wow. the ones that was lost was more concerned in Luke than the ones that he kept. He was yeah. he, he left for the one that was left. Now he only left for that one that was left because he was a sheep. Because the father didn't go after his son. Fathers don't go after the sons. Wait for sons to return. When you mature, what I taught you, you'll, it'll bring you back. But when you're immature, I can't expect the sheep to come back to church. Because no, you just call them dumb. So why you why you think they're smart? Right, right, right. Church? See what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so, so the question is, now, if you don't have people in place that can take care of the 99, who's going to go after the one? And most of the time, this is where the online ministry, all we're doing is going after the sheep that the pastor didn't leave the other 99 for. Hmm. Wow. That should be the real reason. I love it. And, and, I love it. In real online Ooh. ministries, if you ain't bringing that sheep back to the fold so God can see the 100, then your ministry was about you. The new Moses, the new Pharaoh is Moses. God gave me a message. Tell Moses, let my people go. Because now Moses is controlling the people. Yeah. I'm the new Pharaoh. But but at the end of the day, but in and and, and, and and I was that person who who's gonna come, you know, one of my favorite movies is Antoine Fisher. Uh yeah, and he says that to get up from the dinner table, who gonna cry for me? Who gonna write? Yes. And I was that sheep that that they didn't care. I was suicidal for thirty years of my life. Who cared as long as I can preach and play the drums? So I'm not just I'm not just on online ministry. I'm telling you, there's a lot of Robert Jenkins out there wounded and don't want to go back to prostitution. Do that right. make the church bad? But are we changing that? See, because most of the prophets that came to the church, they dealt with the people, never dealt with the head. See, that's real talk. Absolutely. Even they, yeah. So all of that. So really, if we understood what I'm trying to do now, everybody online ain't trying to do what I'm going to do. There's a lot of stuff. I, our friends, just as much as you friends, I'd be like, oh, my God, this is killing me. This online stuff and these people doing this stuff because there's no really accountability even to God, to fatherhood. People are not being healed. It's a new high. It's the new opium. Yeah. But but I want people to say, like the rare father that does take care of their kid, I'm not that person. I and, if I don't, and if I don't have pastors like you come together and say he's different, if I don't come together and tell people who with me, Pastor Todd is different, that's a safe church to go to. He's going to really care and he's going to teach principles and he's not going to try to control you. He's not going to prostitute you. Matter of fact, if you tell him you got a gift, he may try to find out what he can do to empower that. He's right. that person. I think we have to almost defend one another. For those who are doing it right, see what I'm saying? Thousand percent agree, and I think that needs to exist more in the body of Christ is affirmation and encouragement to a world that honestly, it's like being black. 
you know, they, they, they don't care what side of town we front. If, if if somebody's racist, they just hate black folk. Period. They don't care what our right, little right. In, what our little idiosyncrasies are. And the same thing with the church. The gates of hell don't care whether we're Baptist, whether we're in person, right. online, Pentecostal, right. non-denominational. They want to kill all of us for whatever role we play right. in the kingdom. Right. It doesn't matter if the Baptist is the come home to grandma and know where you come from church. They want to kill that. If the prophetic is releasing people to their destiny, they want to yeah. kill that. Yeah. If the right. apostolic is planting churches all over the world. They want to kill that. Yeah. And so right. we have to understand that we all have the same bullseye and that affirming each other and defending. And I've said it before. If we learn to defend each other, even when people come to me, because we got it going from the young church, right. folk used to come from the old church to my young church with right. my dad and right. say, they didn't teach me nothing. Then I became the pastor of the old church. Right. And some of the faithful teaching, praying folks said we never saw them in a Sunday school, in a Bible study, in a prayer meeting. We would have taught them how to pray. We would have taught them the word. They didn't even bother to show up. And in right. the particular church I'm at, brother was a teaching minister. Six, seven different classes at six, seven different days and times. And so what I used to kind of smile in immaturity because I knew I was about to grab some dissatisfied customer from another church talking about they didn't teach me nothing, only to lose them a year later because right. now I didn't teach them nothing. <laughs> Somebody else that did the same thing. But we do have some questions and I don't want to let this go. We have jo jo Joseph Napier has a couple questions and uh Go ahead and post one of those up. His question is, how do we get over church wounds? Church hurt is the phrase of the day. I don't think there's a bigger phrase in Christendom. What right. you say now? Yeah, yeah. I, I church, agree with church you, hurt you is know. the Me Too movement of the church. It, it, it really <laughs> is. I mean, how do we get over? And I, I know we can't unpack all of it, but, but give us some principles or some observations that you would attach to that. Well, I think that no healing can take place until there's honesty. And I think it takes the Holy Ghost and love for God because um, most people deceive themselves. Like, let, let's be honest. This I wrote a book called The Journey of False Perception. I got three books out, working on my fourth one, right? For 40 years of my life, I blamed my dad for something he didn't do. And I'll say my perception was off. That's why it's The Journey of False Perception. I said, my dad wasn't in my life. This wasn't in my life. And I blame everything he didn't do. And God says, is that the real reason why you're doing what you're doing? Or are you allowing your selfishness to be described by your pain? Mm. So most of the time when we deal with church hurt, we're not dealing with that you created a need. The church didn't give you the need that you wanted and you blame them for not giving you what you wanted. Most of our wounds are self-inflicted that we blame on the church. Mm. Most of the time. OK, now, so this is this is the honesty. And I, and I base it on this scripture. There is no temptation that's common to man that God don't make a way escape. God never leaves you to yourself. Anything you've ever experienced, I guarantee you, if you was listening, the Holy Ghost told you, don't do it, don't go there, don't say it, don't do it, and you did not follow God. And so most of the time we are experiencing something because we didn't listen to God and we got the consequences of our own choices. We got to be honest with that. You got to be honest with how the wound really happened. What was it? Was it your pride didn't get it? Was it your ego? Was you controlling? You got to be honest with that. Robert Jenkins wanted my dad to be the dad I created him to be. Hmm. He never got a chance hmm. to know him. I created wow. in my mind what he should be for me as a dad. 
And since he didn't meet my imagination, I blamed him for it. It's almost like people who write a script out and looking for somebody to play the role. And, and then if you play the role, you're my husband. I believe God led you to me. Only reason I believe God let me is because you're willing to go with my script. I create the script. You play the role. Yes, sir. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So, muscle, so how do you get over that? First thing, you got to be honest of your part that is played in the womb. You can't get healed without intimacy. This is why Jesus tells Zacchaeus, he said, come down. I got to go home with you. Okay, how, how are you coming to tree to see me? Until we get home, we're going to deal with you. And I got to bring intimacy brings honesty brings intimacy or intimacy brings honesty. When he got home with him, then all of a sudden he said, you know, I've been robbing the people. Well, you've been robbing the people. That didn't stop you from climbing the tree to see me. Many people will climb the tree to see God, but they won't deal with their part when they get home. That real personal relationship, when you're honest with that, and then God will show you that what you thought was real pain wasn't even true. Hmm. Oh my. That's the real thing. Every, every church wound that you ever, I feel they know you. Every church wound that you ever experienced is really your revelation of how to connect. It's your revelation of how to connect. And as long as you see it as a wound, you'll never see it as a revelation. You always say this, wherever you was crushed at, that's where your oil is. Most people want to leave the place so they end up leaving the oil. Right. And until you get right. the revelation of the experience, you miss the purpose of the experience. And you, you, you know, you're testifying of something we run into in our generation is we are now receiving revelation for things that previous generations experienced and didn't know how to explain. Right. And we wondered how could grandma stay at that church with that shiesty preacher? How could auntie and them stay faithful? But they were the ones that were getting prayers through. Right. With a right. shiesty right. preacher. That's right. Getting right. prayer, praying us through, right. praying right. deliverance. And we sitting here talking about you got so much power. You got in touch with God. Where did you get that from? And right. what you just said, about the oil being where you've been crushed. That's where right. now that I hear, and again, saying no names to bear no blame in Warren, Ohio, about infamous preachers that family members sat under, and but they were praying women, men and women. They were sincere in their faith, regardless of whether those other persons were or not. And right. now they were the ambassadors and the witnesses because right. they did not. Now, it's, this is not for anybody watching. This is not saying stay where abuse is right. or stay where exploitation is. Right. Certainly not saying that. Right. But we, I am saying that there could be appointed times for you to have to endure some things that are just plain ugly, not unfortunate, you right. know, not not uncomfortable. Right. I mean, dastardly, ugly, and all of this stuff. But that is exactly where God often moves within His you people. You got to get the grace out of it, man. Great. You, yeah, you, yeah. You you got it. Listen, man. If you don't change your perception, I always say, if you don't change the way you see things, the way you see things won't change. So you got to be able. It wasn't what it's always. It's not what you're looking at. It's what you're looking through. If you're yeah. on green glasses, I'm gonna call everything green. So it's not. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to take you away from abuse. I'm saying, do you still see it as abuse? Look here. They put Joseph in the pit, right? But when Joseph finally gets to the place and they say, we sorry, we put you in the pit. He says, no, you didn't do that. Wait a minute. Is that not a yep. truth? Why would you say they didn't do it? Because his perception that it wasn't you, it was God. That's the key. The key to any of your suffering is to see the revelation of God in it. See, that's the key. We're right. missing it by calling it a wound. So now, because if you call it a wound, what's, you want to be healed, but you don't want to be heard. You got to hear, faith come out here. You got to hear what God says in the womb. 
Right. You gotta hear what God, because I can't call it what I should call it. I got to call it what God called it. See? And, and, and so if my perception don't change, I'll get stuck. The Bible says, to, uh, today, harden not your heart. Any day you harden your heart in, you're stuck in that day. Yeah. Any day you harden yeah. your heart. So, so many times, and this is why a lot of times it's so hard to get, it's so hard to get, um, get healed because you're still where you've been wounded. You're still there. It's almost like people who deal with drugs. The first time you get high, they'll tell you you're still that age because wow. you're stuck in that day. This is why, why do you think God says he remembers sins no more? The reason why he remembers no more, because memory brings it back. Memory brings it back. Absolutely. Whenever I still see it as a fence, I'm still stuck where the memory is. That's how, that's how you reattach it, through the memory. Right. That's why you got to forget those things that are behind. And so the only way you can forget it, you can't forget what you experienced, but you can forget how you saw it. I don't see it that way. That anymore. way anymore. That's yeah. my healing. That yeah. was God doing something. That was God purging me through something. That was God introducing me to something. See? And yeah. when I see it like that, it's no longer negative. Now it's positive. Because all negatives has to be developed. Every negative picture has to, be, to developed. be developed. We're, we're not developing the picture. Yes, sir. We have in dark room conversations. You got everybody in the dark room. All you want to talk about is the negatives, but you don't want to develop it. Develop it into a positive. What you just, and, 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 and there's a comment, and I wanted Jeff to pop in, but there is a comment I want to highlight. Go, go, go. go. Listen, and, let, me and, say, let, me say, let me say this to everybody. Go ahead. I'm trying to get these two cats together. <laughs> I see you sitting back. You said it. Over there, you just cheese like a proud father. Right there. I, I do want to back up. We're, we're, we're coming up on time. We're coming up on time. But Tia Crockett did mention as we were talking about church hurt. She said nowadays church hurt is mocked, so people are starting to be ashamed that they are hurt. They are not confessing anymore. And I, I, I agree that. And again, I think it goes back to the mechanisms by the way we're talking about it right. because this is where the discourse is happening, and it's not this podcast necessarily, but because. The lowest form of discourse is basically internet comments, and that's where the most discourse is happening. You have a group of people who are in the church saying, you know, all y'all ain't been hurt by church. What you just said, Apostle, you need to take responsibility for some of this. And then you have other people saying, well, I want to express myself. But quite frankly, the platform is toxic itself. It's a it's a toxic platform that lends us to being flippant and cruel and mean. And of course, you have people who make all preachers are like this and all y'all churches are like, and all y'all hurt me. And then I, I know, cause I, I'll be honest. I was one of the guys that my perspective on some of this is we all did some mess, especially if you were young and raised in the church, right? Some of us got caught and suffered different consequences than others. And if I make it out all right and my marriage is intact and I, I get along and I get by and you don't not you might not have seen how I was punished or, or, or disciplined or, or what I had to suffer. But somebody else is carrying around three babies and shame and this, that and the other. Now there's this bitterness from three baby girl towards the one who managed to make it out, maybe didn't come up that way, went ahead and and hopefully got delivered and kept on singing. Now you're a bunch of phonies. And the real belief is, well. You didn't suffer the same consequences I did. You didn't get looked at the same way I did. Right. So so that's what really hurts. And I think sometimes some of the hurt is in that lane of we, it's like getting pulled over and watching somebody else speed 
by you while you getting pulled over and you wondering why the highway patrolman didn't get them to. And, <laughs> and, and we're having, and then, and then we start labeling just like black people say all white people are like this. And white people say all black folk are like this. Now all church folk, all Christians, all religious people are like this. And I feel that we have lowered the discourse because we are discoursing at the lowest possible level, which is, you know, somebody makes a comment about their hurt. And like I said before, in the same space where we are looking at stupid cat videos. And that's just not the place <laughs> to be talking about healing and deliverance. Right. It's, it's just, it, to me, when I read even social media, because that's where we're at, that's where we do ministry. In church, you won't see a feed, hopefully, of just pure foolishness and then a sermon. Right. You know what I'm saying? You won't see bikini babes and then a dog that, you know, doing this and then a rapper and then a sermon. But right. in this online space now where the discourse right. is happening, right. again, you have immature people. You have people who aren't even saved. You have people who, quite frankly, are entering the discourse as agents of Satan. Yes, yes. And yes, they are yes, the literal yes, devil's yes, advocate. Yes, yes. They are the literal devil's advocates. It's not an ideal. It's not an abstract metaphor. They literally have been planted to just say a bunch of junk that may or not be true. But as you said, keep the filters and the blinders on. And while people are looking for healing, they're there to say, no, no, no. Don't trust him. Don't trust her. You might as well stop listening to that. It, it, It just is so bad. Let's all pray to the universe and have these crystals and chakras and all this mercury retrograde and all this other junk. And that's my real spirituality. Sorry, y'all. Y'all have to hate me later. So I feel like we need honest dialogue, what you said, and we need honesty with ourselves. And I've I've often said, has anybody who's been hurt in church admitted to mess they did in church? It, admit it, because I, I, I can say I, I, I did this. I went to the musical and then went on a date and kicked it in the driveway with the young lady after the musical. And I might as well have been at the club because we all know what that scene is like. Come on, musicians. We all know what that scene is like. Right. <laughs> we play an extra funky at offering time because we want them backsides to shake. Y'all ain't hearing me. Yeah, yeah. We, we glad y'all don't wear choir robes no more. We glad y'all don't wear choir robes no more. We, we like... <laughs> the musicians is glad choir robes is out of fashion. <laughs> it, it's the truth. So, so we have to be honest about our own culpability right. and our own pain. If if, if I drank my liver to death, right? Come on, come on, man. If I drank my come liver on. to death, come on, man. I could at least admit that I spent right. half my life in a bar, and that's why right. I'm here. Real talk, real talk. Right. You know, right? You know, I, I want to make. I know our time is up. Two comments, I would say. Uh, the first comment is: I think the problem is, is when the sheep and the sun meet. Let's say the story in, in Luke 15, right? You have the sheep, you have the coin, you have the son. What if the sheep, while he has not been returned, run into the son and they talk? They're going to have a problem because the sheep is going to say, I know that the shepherd is coming to save me. The son uh-huh. is going to say, daddy stayed home. See, Lord. that conversation classes on what happened. So, so you mean to tell me he came and got you? He carries you, brought you back in and y'all celebrated? Dad, I ain't seen that since I left. See, and so that conversation is going on. The sheep and the son is having conversation. And it looked like the church has you choosing which one you want to deal with. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and so the son got a totally different, he got a totally different viewpoint of the father versus how the sheep does. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that's going on. And how do we handle sheep and son's conversation when it comes to church? 
So you have the sheep who says, you know what? I was wounded, but thank God for Pastor Todd. He called me and see how I'm doing. Then you have another ministry say, I go to a large church. They don't never call nobody. We just a number. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know my bishop. Yeah. 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 So I think, you know, we, we need to deal with that dynamic. And I run into that. Guess what? Online ministries. I right. run into that right now. I run into the same thing you run into a building. You know what? Well, why you let him preach? Why Pastor C is doing this? You know, why he get to run this? Why the person don't do this? Well, why that person seem to be when they like they ain't right, but you still using them, but you ain't using I run into the same problem. See what I'm saying? And how to handle that. And so I think that's very key when there are talking, no different than your oldest child talking to your youngest sister. You know, right. you got two, you got one child 22, one child uh 14. And the 122 saying, Mama would have never let me get away with that. She beat yep. me left to death for that. Yep. All of a sudden, you get away. See, Mama then ran out of patience. And it looked like Mama chooses sides. See what I'm saying? And so I think that's the key. So, yeah, I mean, what you said was phenomenal, man. And I think we need to sit down and talk with leaders, where your heart at, what you're really trying to do, and uh, what do you think the best strategy is? You right. know, so what, what's, what's the best strategy for the kingdom of God, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and talk about that. If a person is wounded, if a person right. never comes to church, what do we do with them? The people who are lost, what do we do with it? Like the person asked the question, if you get, how do you get healed? Can we yep. deal with that? I'm gonna be honest with you. Honesty is not easy. We can tell people, tell the truth, but uh, it's almost like, how do you tell a liar to be truthful? Hmm. See, yeah. See, so so this is why I believe this. I and I believe this. I believe that there are some things will not be broken unless we both, whether online church or the church, get back to worship. Mm. The Bible says the anointing heals the brokenhearted, not love. It looked like when it comes to the heart, it would be a love. It would be the would be the answer, but it says the anointing, not love, wow. because most people who have a broken heart have a misunderstanding of love. It's going to take the anointing. Yes. To heal what I don't trust. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. See? Right. And so until we get back to worship, we'll and, and this is very key. Watch this. Moses Tabernacle didn't have worship or giving. What if people been raised in church under the legalistical side and never have the spiritual mm -hmm. side of the tabernacle of David? Right. And what if they got offended in that place? See, this is why we got to get back to worship, even online. If I'm not trusting the anointing of God to break it, then I'm just establishing a church without walls, as we say all the time. But yeah, what's yeah. the danger of not having walls? The Bible says a city without walls does what? <laughs> so even though we can claim not to have walls, not have walls can bring danger because anybody can come in and anybody can go out. We need to have some form of restraints. There has to be a restriction. Most of the time we're taught the danger with an online church is I keep telling you what you can do, but the Baptist people are telling you what you can't do. What if you never get no kinks when you're free? See, mm. that's the danger with the online church because you need to know what you can do. Even God said, don't eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What, what are we telling you you can't do? See what I'm saying? Mm. If there is no restrictions, everything come in. And I'm going to tell you, that's one of the major problems I run into. People love me because there is no accountability from what they used to. See, so they can get these nuggets and still live any kind of way. Now, they was living any kind of way with the church, too. Right. <laughs> right. At least we can see it if you came drunk. <laughs> right. You know, at least we can see it if we know 
that you never bring your wife. <laughs> right. We can see some things. It was better visual. You see what I'm saying? Right. So, so that type of stuff. And so, but I'm gonna be honest with you. Online church is a great way to hide because you can get pleasure without purpose. Mm. God never designed for us to get pleasure without purpose. See? I love it. I love so it. That's the danger of it. See what I'm saying? That's the danger of it. Now, that's the danger good. of restriction is, is that you may never excel. You may never maximize your momentum. Right, right. You know what right. I'm saying? That's, so that's, that's the danger of, of, of restriction. How far should you go? You know what I'm saying? Are you only called to play on Sunday mornings? That's your limitation. Do, does churches have music studios? This is why I come in and teach. You got to start having music studios. You got to let people write songs. You can't keep letting them learn Fred Hammond and Kurt Franklin when there's a song in them. Right, so, right. So all those things have to be. You see what I'm saying? We have to have more classrooms. So if me and you got together and talk, we probably would find out how much we agree versus oh, how much we disagree. We already do. I mean, we already there. I mean, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Our, our producers tell us that we have to go. Uh, but I want to. I want to give Jeff the last word. Make sure we hit all our sponsors. Let Mike close us out. Go ahead, Pastor Jeff. I ain't worried about no sponsors. Listen, this this was phenomenal, man. I, I think I think I gotta run upstairs to get my charge. I'm about to die here. Um, okay. man, this was phenomenal, man. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you coming on, Doc. You you spilled your heart again as you always do. I'm so happy yeah. you and Todd got a chance to connect. And yeah. I, I mean, I because y'all minds work alike. I know y'all. Yeah. Y'all minds work. Y'all think alike. Y'all minds work All alike, day. Man. I love it. All day. God bless you. Go ahead, do the sponsor uh, talk while I go and get my charger. Okay, okay. Uh, while we bring Big Mike in, we want to thank our sponsors, the Phillips Care family of businesses. They really do uh, show great uh, support for us, including Phillips Care Training, who are the proud new owners of High Street Fitness at 277 South High Street in Cortland. And by the way, this is exactly what Apostle Jenkins has been talking about, bringing the kingdom into the commerce and the marketplace. Our brothers, uh, Mike and Fernando Phillips, have been doing this and bringing people, especially in the black community, into marketplace ministry and so high street training get your body right for how, what are we getting body rights for now mike halloween we're trying to get our body right for thanksgiving uh we want to work them greens off them, them dressing all that stuff all right call them out on their facebook page high street fitness or call mike at 984 that's 330 for you out of town folks you can come in and get your sweat on 330-984-7632 really appreciate it big mike what's happening bro Oh, man. Great show, fellas. Uh, Apostle Jenkins, thank you so much for coming on, taking out the time to bless us on tonight. Uh, really enjoyed the show, man. Really enjoyed it. Thanks again. Thank you, um, in your opinion, is, is well, I guess I, I know the answer to this, but is Cyber Sanctuary the future? Uh, I would say yes, because of where technology is going. Uh, most people are now, I think the workforce uh, force is growing. People are working from home. So yes, I would say it's the future, but I think it's a danger in the future. And I think we're losing, uh, we're losing foundation. We're losing right. principles from that. So, uh, you know, the Bible talks about you should mount up as wings of eagles, but then it ends by saying you shall walk and not faint. I think we're learning to fly, but we don't know how to walk. And I think that's the danger of the future oh, is that future. we're learning wings, but we don't have any foundation. At the end, you got to know how to walk. Right. So, yes, it is the future, but it, there's a danger. In it. And, and I'm going to talk about that. We'll bring Brother Todd and Brother Jeff on. We got to learn how to get people to have foundation with where we're going because the world is taking us 
too high and we don't have any substance. And I think that's the problem. But to answer your question, yes, without a doubt, you know, in order for the one world order to take over, it's going to have to shut down the independency of the church. It got to shut down the cash money. It got to, the church is too powerful. It got to take away property. So there's things that has to be done in order for the one world order to take over. Without right. a doubt. Wow. We got a lot of angry uh, viewers on the page that don't want this to stop, but uh, <laughs> they're about to start rebuking us. I see. I had to get on Apostle Jenkins' page to see it. We, 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 we're going to start rebuking us, but listen, we all love, unfortunately, religiously incorrect to the Baptist churches. <laughs> we got to order a service over here. <laughs> it's offering time <laughs> but we will have apostle back and we will be on apostles platform uh it's always been love i've always looked up to yeah. apostle jenkins it's funny we've run close to the same spaces but never quite intertwining but i remember yeah. uh him playing and ministering through elam and other ministries yeah. and and much love and, and, and respect for you you even came yeah. to agape more than once i think and helped right. out at different yeah. times and it's just blessings and love and it's a wonderful thing to grow in in, in grace and in god together so blessings to you uh and to everybody anybody anything else what up I, we don't have yet i don't think i think i might have to work on something special because i'm going to be with my lock carry crew next week in arizona so i might try to get one of my uh lock carry buddies if not a few of them to get on and talk to us about black people and missions i think that might be a good show okay talk about black preachers and missions because that's what my trip is about and that's what i'll be on sunday night so i can't promise a subject right now mike i don't know if you or jeff have something that we already have lined up no nah, we'll talk about it okay just wanted to make sure uh yeah now now to all of our new viewers i know the uh, i appreciate you guys tuning in um thank you yeah, we so definitely much. leaking off apostles hey all y'all apostles y'all are members now <laughs> All our members now. We do this every Sunday night. Every, every, Sunday, night. every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. Uh, we're live on YouTube and Facebook, so check us out. This is our Sunday night service. We do it every week. Wow. Holla at us. Like, share, follow. <laughs> YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We, we'd love to have you. You can also check out our audio. Our, our <laughs> podcast available on audio, uh, Apple, Apple Music, uh, Spotify, you name it. If you can download podcasts, we're on there, man. Check us out. Appreciate you. All right, y'all. We appreciate it. Uh, we got to head out. It's been a great we show. Out. Y'all check out us on audio. We're on audio on every all of your audio platforms. Tag somebody. Tell them to watch the replay. This was all fire, all knowledge, all yes, wisdom. Sir. <laughs> Take us out, Mike. We appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, All right, peace, peace, y'all. See you peace. next week. Thank you. Peace,